it's a really just a special place to be here in Israel and to just reflect back on what it means to have this resurrected spirit in us. The Bible says that he gave us this same spirit, the same resurrection spirit that rose Jesus from the, this tomb on the third day is the same resurrected spirit that we have in us. He said he's given us power. He's given us the power of not only the resurrection, but the power to be resurrected every day, to get up every day and for everything to be brand new in Christ. That's what makes the difference about being a Christian, ladies and gentlemen, is that every day is a resurrection. When you have the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, you have that resurrected spirit in you. And every day when you get up, it's a brand new day. You're a brand new person in Christ Jesus and new opportunities are available to you. What a joy it is to serve God. And as we reflect back over this resurrection, especially on this Easter Sunday, this special time, when we think about what it means that we serve a resurrected Savior, I can tell you that we are right here in Israel, and in just about three hours, they will begin to celebrate Passover. They celebrate the Passover. But ladies and gentlemen, our faith doesn't end with just the Passover. We know that we serve a Savior that was resurrected and one day he's coming again for you and I. God bless you. What a beautiful congregation of people. We are so delighted that you are here with us today on this beautiful resurrection day when we celebrate our Lord and Savior's resurrection. How many of you know the Lord is still putting that resurrection spirit in each and every one of us. Amen. Romans 1.8 says, the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord today. And we want to turn your attention this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 24. I want to thank each and one of our guests and friends and members and, and uh, just what a great weekend we have already had. We had a great service this morning at 8.30 and then to look out and to see all of you and to know that you have chosen to share this beautiful day with us. We are honored. Most of all, we are honored to feel the presence of God. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in His name, that there He is in the midst of them. Amen. And we feel his presence and his power here. Matthew chapter 24, we begin reading in verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now, you know, it's easy to read past that really quick, but... That's awesome that the angel sat upon the stone. That, that was such a, a boundary and a barrier, the angel just sat on it. How many of you know God can just sit on top of your biggest problem? He can just use it as a footstool. The Bible said heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Whatever may be facing you today, I've come to give you good news. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. God has power to just put his foot on top of whatever may be troubling you. His countenance was like rain, lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. 
He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with joy and great, or with fear and great joy. There was sort of a mixed emotion here. And did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. What a great God we serve. I want to speak to you today for just a few moments on this subject. When love interrupts your life, when love interrupts your life. Now, how many of you can be honest today and raise your hand and say, you know what I'm talking about? You weren't planning on it, but love interrupted your life. Amen. Why don't we lift both hands toward heaven right now and thank you, my Lord. What a great God you are. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this great day. Thank you for brothers and sisters that have gathered together to worship you. We pray that you would anoint hearts and minds to receive your word, lips to speak your word without fear or favor. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. You know, love is a funny thing. It's hard to kind of get your arms around it. We know it's a real, very real, powerful emotion. But it's not really one of those things that's tangible. It's something that's kind of, you know, we know it's there and we all trying to figure it out. But you know, one of the funny aspects, and there's a lot of great aspects about love, but one of the things that's quite unique about love is that it, it never really announces when it's coming. It doesn't call you up and say, hey, I'm going to be at your house in a couple of weeks. Get ready for me. It just sort of shows up at your door. And you're like, what's this? You know, I was not planning on falling in love with my wife. I just wanted to go out and get a piece of pizza. But the more we talked and the more we ate and the more I looked across the table at her, I started thinking, this is really, really an attractive girl. Started having funny feelings. Love has a way of doing that. And it sort of comes when you're not looking for it. If you wait for it, it'll hide. I mean, for years and years, it'll hide. If you get up one day and say, I'd like to fall in love today, that will be the day you won't fall in love. <laughs> You've got to get busy doing something else. And then love will just sort of sneak up on you. And when it does, ladies and gentlemen, it will interrupt your life. And when it interrupts your life, it turns everything upside down. Things don't make sense anymore. Logic goes out the window. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Well, some people can't eat. I've never had that happen to me. I've always been able to eat. <laughs> Happy, depressed, love, not love, morning, night. Bring me the food. <laughs> but you'll start talking funny. You know, I told the folks at the earlier service, I had a friend that uh, has a whole bunch of little dogs. Um, I don't want to say who he is, but his initials are Jimmy Chapman. <laughs> and we had gone up into the central part of the state and, and uh, we had gone up to uh, get some things there by the campground. We had to spend the night in the hotel and 
so we'd called our wives to say goodnight, and, 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 and I heard him say, okay, put them on the phone. And his wife put all of the little dogs, I guess, that they have. I have all these chihuahuas. They put them all on the phone, and he was like, I'm like, that's Jimmy Chapman? What is he doing? So when he got off the phone, I went, like, my wife makes me do that. But love will make you do all kind of crazy things. You won't even be able to think straight. I heard about an elderly couple that was sitting at home watching television, and the man decided to want to go into the kitchen and get some ice cream. His wife said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the kitchen and get some ice cream. She said, well, get me some ice cream, too. He said, all right. He made a couple of steps, and she said, now, Earl, you better write that down because you're going to forget. He's like, I can remember that you want ice cream. I'm going to get ice cream, and I'm going to get you ice cream. I don't have to write that. She said, the doctor said for you to write things down because you can't remember. He said, I've got it. Ice cream for you, ice cream for me. And he took another step, and she said, and I want strawberries on it. He said, okay. She said, well, you better write that down because that's two things you'll never remember. It's ice cream plus strawberries. He said, I've got it. It's ice cream plus strawberries. He made another step. She said, and I want whipped cream on it too. She said, I'm going to write it down for you. He said, I don't need you to write it down. You want ice cream, you want whipped cream, and you want strawberries. She said, that's it. He went in the kitchen, and she could hear him in there sort of playing around with the pots and pans. And 20 minutes later, he came back with a plate, and it had eggs on it, and it had grits. <laughs> had bacon on it. She stared at the plate for a couple of minutes, and she said, you forgot the toast. <laughs> She had forgotten to. Love makes you do all kinds of crazy things, doesn't it? You know, I, I think that it's very important to understand that when we read this story of the resurrection of Jesus, we have to understand that all of these events that were taking place were taking place because of love. There was not a lot of things that were making sense on this particular day, this first day of the week when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and they had buried Jesus in it. And Mark, the Gospel of Mark says that they were come to anoint the body with spices, as was their custom. They, they loved him so much, they, they were still trying to care for him, even though he was in a tomb and there was a big rock in the front of it, or was. Now, there's a couple of things that come to our mind as we read this passage. Number one is they loved Jesus enough that they stuck around even after he had died and been buried because they knew what tomb he was in. Now, a lot of people had scattered. Even some of these disciples had scattered. People had run. But we know that at least Mary Magdalene, who all four Gospels has Mary Magdalene at the tomb. We know that at least Mary Magdalene stuck around long enough that she knew what tomb that they had put Jesus in. The second thing that we know is that their love for him did not make a lot of sense because I don't know how they thought they were going to anoint the body with spices if there was a rock, a huge boulder that had been put in front of the cave where they had buried Jesus and there had been a seal put on it and there were Roman guards. How was she going to come with her little box of spices and ointment and anoint the body to preserve it from decaying and so forth as they would do? It didn't make any sense, but yet she made her way there. Even though he had passed, even though perhaps all of her hopes and dreams had been dashed, she still made her way to the tomb. She didn't know if there was going to be a rock there or not. We assumed that she knew there was no rock, but when there, she saw him bury him, there was a big stone put in front. 
Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes God will tell you to do something and it doesn't make any sense. But if you'll just do it, God will work a miracle along the way. He'll tell you to do something. You're like, God, there's no way I can do that. And you'll list for God all of the obstacles and all the problems. And God still just tells you to just go and do it just like he did Abraham. Go and take your son, thine only son, to the top of Mount Moriah. And I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham has to make his way up there. He doesn't know how God's going to do it. He doesn't know God's going to have a substitute. He's just obeying God. But you know what? God had his answer coming up the other side of the mountain because the Bible said there was a ram coming up on the other side of the mountain. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes your answer is coming up the other side of the mountain. You may not realize it, but there's already an angel that's rolled away the stone. There's already a God that's made a way where there appears to be no way. So what do you and I have to do? we got to just obey. Sometimes when you're prompted by the Holy Ghost to do it, it doesn't make any sense. But God will work a miracle before you get there. Well, in those days, people did not have last names. They were just described by what city they were from, like Jesus of Nazareth. Mary Magdalene was Mary from Magdala, which is a little city that's little village, as it were, just on the, the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And not a lot is known about Mary of Magdala, but we do know that she is the first to see Jesus after the resurrection. All four Gospels have her there at the tomb. In the text that we read in the book of Matthew, we read that it has an interesting account of this conversation that the angel had with Mary. The angel says, now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. And they were off. I mean, they had their purpose. They had their mission. They had been given their assignment. They were on their way. They had to tell the other disciples. And the Bible says they departed quickly from the sepulcher, from the tomb, with fear and great joy. I mean, they were excited, but yet they were fearful. And they were running to bring the disciples' word. And verse 9 says this, and this just sort of jumped out at me this week. Look at what verse 9 says. And as they went to tell his disciples. Everybody say this with me this morning. Along the way. They were going to tell the disciples. But as they were doing what they had been assigned and told to do, the Bible says, behold, Jesus met them. He just sort of interrupted what they were on their way to do. Now, if he's interrupting them, then surely he's got some news. There's something that's changed. There's, there's been a change of plans. There's, there's a new direction. He's not going to meet them in Galilee. There's, maybe it's somewhere in Jerusalem now. What's this new message? Because he doesn't delegate this to an angel. This is coming from Jesus himself. Jesus met them and he said, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then look at what verse 10 says. Then says Jesus unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Now that sounds like the message that they had already received. Why did Jesus interrupt their path, their journey? To tell them almost exactly what the angel had already told them. Ladies and gentlemen, the only reason that Jesus interrupted them was because he loved them so much. I know the angels already told you to go to Galilee. 
I know the angels already told you I'm going to appear in Galilee. But you know what? I want to see you. I want to see your expression. I love you so much. I want to see what you, what you think whenever you see me and know that I'm not in that tomb anymore. And it was his love for them that interrupted their journey. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not understand it, but God loves you so much, he will interrupt your life. It may not be profound. It may be something very small, but you'll just get in your car and you're headed to work and you may be thinking about the goodness of the Lord and you feel his presence just fill that car where you're at and just let you know, I've got your back today. I'm going to be with you. You're not by yourself. That's how much he loves us. This is what love does. It, it just sort of comes out of nowhere. My wife, she gets, she gets so upset with me because I will just blurt out to the kids something that I'm not supposed to tell them. And we'll make plans, you know, to go somewhere, a theme park or amusement park or, you know, Disney World. They like Disney World. I personally don't, but I go because I love them. And she'll say, you know, next week, Thursday, Friday, blah, 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 we're going to go and, and, uh, and, and, and we'll surprise the kids. And I'm like, that sounds great. Oh, it's going to be great to see their faces, you know. And uh, we'll say, we're going to Disney World. They're like, ah, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to have so much fun. But then like two days later, we'll just be eating and we're not talking about something else. And I'll say, hey, guess what we're doing next week, y'all? And I can see my wife will sort of roll her eyes. And I'll say, we're going to Disney World. They're like, yeah, we're going to Disney World. That's awesome. And then whenever the kids are out of sight, my wife will say, why did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure why I did it. I was preaching one time when I was a young evangelist in Gainesville, and um, Brother Arnold, who pastors many years in Gainesville, he, he said, uh, I'm going to go on out and be in the audience. And, and I said, okay, I'm coming right out, and, and, and I, I just got to uh, use the restroom. So I used the restroom, I washed my hands, and I, I wiped my hands, threw the paper in the paper basket, and, there was, and I missed. So I, I went over to pick it up, and when I did, I ripped my whole pants out. Both, I mean, it was like two different garments. And I was like, what in the world am I going to do? They've already started the service, and I'm a, I'm a young preacher. i got to preach this youth revival, and, and my pants are literally in almost like two pieces. And I'm walking around his office, and I'm in a panic, and I'm looking for something, and, and uh, I'm trying to find something that I can put the material back together with. And, and I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And I can hear him singing, and they've got a prayer request, and they're getting closer. And I look all around, and I'm going through the drawers of his, of his desk. I'm looking, and I'm seeing he's got paper. And I, I can't find anything, but I see he's got a stapler on the top of his desk. So I go to grab the stapler, but he's always, he's, Brother Arnold, if you know him, let's see, Brother Stevens, he's here from Gainesville. He always is worried about people taking stuff out of his office. So he had his stapler nailed to his desk. So this is what I did. I climbed up on his desk. And I've got my pants down here in my hands. And I'm going like this, stapling my pants. I mean, if somebody would have walked in, my ministry would have been over right there. And I did a horrible job, and I'm stapling all of it. And I get up and I'm like, okay, whatever you, just don't say anything to the congregation. Don't say anything to the congregation. Nobody will ever know. And I'm walking down the aisle and they're like, Brother Myers is coming right now. And I'm trying to walk. And staplers are digging into my legs. And I get up there and I'm like, 
don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And the very first thing out of my mouth, if you're wondering why I'm walking funny, I just ripped the whole seat of my pants out. And when I did, Brother Arnold was in the audience and he yells out, we can't get a decent evangelist in Gainesville. <laughs> Love will just make you blurt everything out. I said to my wife, I don't know why I tell the kids. I guess I just love them and I just, I can't hold it. I just want to tell them. You know, I, we, were, uh, we were in Israel last week, as you saw from the video. And we were with some friends of ours that pastor down in Fort Lauderdale, Pastor David Elms and his wife and some people from their church. And, and we were talking about how we had proposed to our, our wives. And I told them about how I proposed to my wife, you know. And my wife was telling all about how we were in New York, you know. And it was at Christmas and it was kind of snowing. And we were at Rockefeller Center. They have an ice skating rink. And we we're going around the ice skating rink, you know. And, and as we we're going around the ice skating rink, you know, I had a ring in my pocket. And I got down and proposed to her. And, and she was crying and I was freezing and people were staring. And, <laughs> And so then they realized, and everybody started clapping. They put it up on the big screen. And so we were sharing all that. And everybody was like, that's so cool. What a great way to propose. And Sister Elm says, why don't my husband tell you how he proposed? <laughs> and he sort of rolls his eyes. And she goes, well, I'll tell you. She said, we're walking across the street in a busy city. And he stops and gets down on one knee with cars backed up stopping on a big highway. And he proposes in the middle of traffic. I said, you've got to be kidding me. She said, no, he's down on one knee and cars are and they're honking. And he says, will you marry me? She said, we were either going to get married or get killed because we were going to be run over. So I said to Brother Elms, I said, what were you thinking? He said, we were headed to a nice restaurant. I had it all planned. I'd already talked to the waiter. Everything was going to be great. But he said, as we were walking across the street, I couldn't wait till we got to the restaurant. I just sort of blurted it out right there. And I got down the street in the middle and said, will you marry me? You know why? Because love is crazy. Love will make you do crazy things. And let me tell you something. The love that God has for you and me Sometimes things won't make sense. You'll say God could never love me because I've done too many things. He loves you in spite of your mistakes. He loves you in spite of all your sin. It matters not what you've done before. He loves you. He's going to interrupt your life. He's going to interrupt your routine. And he's going to remind you that he loves you. Oh, you ought to clap your hands and thank the Lord that God is still reaching Jesus had so much love for his followers that he just kept interrupting their life with his appearance. Two men are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus interrupts their conversation, walks with them, and they're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. He doesn't reveal who he is. He just walks. He just, he just loves. You know, God has a sense of humor. If you don't believe that, just look at some of the people sitting on the road next to you. Just look up. God just has a great sense of humor. I just want to see their expressions. He never revealed who he is. They're just walking to him. The They're like, man, the Messiah, you know, and he claims to be a Messiah. He walks in, he starts talking about, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, somebody was raised. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. You think he was the Messiah? Well, I don't know. Well, the Old Testament. And he starts telling them all what the Old Testament said about the Messiah. And they become such good friends. He still doesn't reveal who it is. 
They invite him to come in to eat. He comes in to eat, and as they're getting ready to break bread, boom, he opens their eyes, and they're like, oh, that's the Messiah, and he's gone just like that. That's how God works. He'll just come up alongside of you and walk with you for a little bit, and you won't even know it's him. There's times that God has been at work in your life, and you didn't even know it was him. You thought it was just happenstance, but God doesn't do anything by chance. He just interrupted your life because he loved you. Here I am doesn't always reveal it. When you look at this, there were two men on the road to Emmaus. He interrupted. The disciples are gathered in a room to eat, and he appears unto them. Thomas is not there, so he appears again because he wants Thomas to feel the nail prints in his hand and the side where the spear was thrust. The disciples are fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus appears to them on the coastline and says, throw your nets on the other side. That's the way our God works, ladies and gentlemen. You can think you've got life going in a certain direction and you've got everything planned and the love of God will just interrupt your life. We don't always know that it's the love of God. We think maybe it's something else, that change in your job. Maybe you thought it was the economy. Maybe you just thought it was, it was a, a layoff or some restructuring being done in the corporation. You didn't realize that it was the love of God that was interrupting your life and letting you know that he can take care of you in the good times and in the bad times. Maybe he just interrupted your life because he loves you so much he wants you to trust in him. Maybe it was a change in your health and you thought, well, I can't believe I got this or I've got that or maybe I didn't eat right or maybe it's something in my family and why. And could it just be that the love of God interrupted your life? And maybe you've got a problem so he can show you that he can solve. If you never had a problem, you'd never know that he's the problem solver. And maybe something is going on in your life right now and you don't know why you're going through it. I've come to tell you today, it's possible that the Lord of light has interrupted your life and wants you to know that he's on your side, he's got your back, he's going to bring you through. And whatever you're facing, hallelujah, God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Maybe it's a change in your family. Maybe it's a change of relationships. It's the love of God that's interrupting your life. You know, Paul, he thought he was something special in the scripture. He was getting permission to have Christians executed, thinking that this was what he was supposed to be doing. He was a Jew and a Pharisee, and he thought this whole Christianity was a bunch of heresy. He was on the road to Damascus. He had to go up there and get Roman authority because only the Romans could give authority for someone to be crucified or for someone to be executed. And he was on the road to Damascus where there was a, a leadership of Roman soldiers and hierarchy. And Acts chapter 9 says that as he was on the road, I mean, he was on his journey, he had his entourage around him and they were making their way to Damascus he's riding up high and horse they'd already had what they considered to be the success of the stoning of Stephen one of the young preachers out of that Christian church in Jerusalem and now he was so emboldened by that there's going to even be more and he's making his way he's educated he's wealthy he's a person of prestige he has great authority and he's making his way down the road to Damascus and he's got his entourage around him and boom his life is interrupted. Woo, hallelujah. We'll tell you why God interrupted his life. The Bible said in Acts chapter 9 that he shined as a bright light, knocked him off his high horse. Well, I'm going to tell you, God will do that sometime. You riding up high in the saddle, God can knock you off the high horse. You can get one report from the doctor. You can get a pink slip at work. You don't even realize it. 
that every good gift cometh down from the Father of light. You say, well, it must have been the Lord saved him because he was trying to protect the church. God could have protected the church in other ways. He could have put a shield of protection over all of those apostles and disciples so that every time somebody threw a rock at one of them, it just bounced off of them and came back and hit them. They told us in Israel, you know, they got this iron dome in Israel, missile defense system. Somebody launches a missile at them, it just, it just bounces off the iron dome, as it were, and goes out and lands in the water or lands in a field where there's no people. Well, they told us when we were there recently, they have upgraded their missile defense system. The Iron Dome now has a technique so that when a missile comes, in, comes into their airspace, not only can they deflect it, but they have designed where the missile, they can take control of the missile and send it back to the spot that it was launched. And it comes in and goes, bing! And it just now doesn't go off and fall in the ocean. It heads back to who sent it and drops it right on top of them. You say, well, that's a pretty severe missile defense system. Well, I'm going to tell you something. They would not have found out how to do it except God didn't have it before them. You say, God's got that? Oh, yes, he does. Somebody will come against you, and it'll not only bounce off you, it'll go right back and hit them where they are. Somebody may be giving you a hard time at work because you're a Christian. I'm going to tell you what's happening. God's going to send that missile right back to them. And before long, you're going to find out they need God. They've got a heart that's hungry for God. God's going to save them. God's going to make them a believer. That's what he did for Saul. Saul was launching missiles at the Christian church. And the Lord just had one of them bounce off and come right back and hit him on the road to Damascus. A bright light shined, fell off of his horse. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You're trying to live a life fighting the church of the living God. You've got an uphill battle. Woo! He said, well, he lost his sight. He did. He lost his natural vision for three days. But I'm going to tell you what. When he got his natural vision back, he also had spiritual vision. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes the love of God interrupts our life, and it's not pleasant. Ladies and gentlemen, when the smoke clears, you're going to see things a lot clearer. Because it's the love of God that interrupted the life of Saul. It wasn't just for the protection of the, that new Christian church in Jerusalem. It was because he loved Saul. And ladies and gentlemen, he loved you. You think, oh, well, Pastor, I've done so much. I, I've made so many mistakes. There's just no way God could ever love me. We talk ourselves out of the love of God by saying that we have done too much. That God would never love us. I'm going to tell you what, folks. God loves the unlovable. Has there been anybody except me that sat in a bench at a mall and waited for your wife to shop and watch people walk by and try to figure out how those two ever got together? Has anybody else ever done that or am I just crazy? Have you ever seen two people together and the girl is real good looking and the guy is really ugly? wonder how did she love that's not a face that a mother could love how could she love him I always tell people when people see my wife and I together they always think he must have money that's the only <laughs> I heard a story about a 
an old man, he was, he was walking down the street and his doctor saw him, was very concerned about him because his doctor knew he wasn't in good health, but he had a real young girl on his arm and he was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and walking down the street and it was a real young, attractive girl that was on his arm and the doctor, he looked at that and thought, man, I'm concerned about Fred, what is he thinking? Well, a few days later, Fred came to the doctor for a checkup and Doctor said, Fred, I'm a little concerned about you. And Fred was like, what? What did the report say? He said, well, he said, I'm, I'm a little concerned because I saw you out there the other day on the street. And, you know, you had that real young girl on your arm. And he said, well, doctor, I'm just following doctor's orders. He said, what do you mean doctor's orders? I never told you. He said, last time I was in here, you told me to go find a hot mama and live carefree. <laughs> and the doctor said, I told you that you had a heart murmur and be careful. It's funny how we'll hear things the way we want to hear them. <laughs> I don't know about you, but God loves to save people that everybody thought they could never be saved. God loves to save people that everybody else would say, well, I can tell you that person won't ever get saved. I have preached revivals. I've seen people get saved that everybody in the church couldn't believe they got saved. They thought that would be the last person that gets saved. God likes to save the unlovable. He likes to save the ones that everybody else had given up on. That's the way my God is. He can save anybody. He loves you in spite of your mistakes and your faults. He is reaching for you, even this very day. You think, well, God could never love me, ladies and gentlemen. He loves you. He loved Mary Magdalene. And little that we know about Mary Magdalene, we find in Luke chapter 8, we read the Lord delivered her from seven demons. I don't know if those demons were spiritual or physical or emotional, but just suffice it all to say that Mary Magdalene had a great need when she met the Lord. And the Lord touched her life. And his love for her was not based on her past. It was based on the future. There's an old saying, I think it's good. When the devil tries to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. That's the way Jesus works, my friend. He interrupted a funeral service in the city of Nanwara, which was a city close by Magdala and Capernaum. And he stopped a funeral procession. He reached down the box where that boy lay that was, had just died, the only son of a widow lady. He stopped all of it, all the mourners, all the heartache. Jesus walking by and just his love for that lady just compelled him to interrupt that funeral. And he goes over there and stops the funeral procession and reaches down in that box and touches that boy by the hand and raises him. Everybody that's there that's been hired to mourn, they're all out of a job now. <laughs> they can't mourn anymore. There's nothing else to mourn. They have to turn into worshipers. <laughs> have you ever met people, they just want to be miserable. They don't try to make me laugh, don't try to make me happy. I've been working on being miserable and I plan on being miserable all my life. I paid good money to have this nervous breakdown. I've worked hard for it. I'm going to have it. <laughs> and the Lord just interrupts your life with his love. 
You've got your whole life planned. You plan on being miserable the rest of your life, but God has jumped up in the middle of it and said, I've got joy. I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. I'm going to turn your joy into gladness. You don't have to live your life being depressed, being despondent, being discouraged, feeling like there's no way out. I've come to tell you today about a God that wants to interrupt your life and let you know he's got joy, he's got hope, he's got a destiny for your life. It's not over yet. I feel his presence interrupting this service today. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. God's got something. Special for you. Peter denied the Lord and was ashamed of his actions, but the love of the Lord interrupted his fishing trip. He said, why don't you throw your nets over on the other side? Now, there's only two sides to a boat. They're professional fishermen. They've been throwing their nets on either side all night long. But there was something about just obeying what the Lord told them to do. Throw your nets on the other side. And so they did it. Even though it didn't make any sense, they did it. And when they did, my friend, let me tell you something. The Bible said the net was so full of fish, they thought their nets were going to break. They had to get out of the boat and drag the net up to the shore. It was on that northern side of the Sea of Galilee where there's these hot springs and the water's rocky and there's a lot of fish that like to come in that area. What a great God we serve. He not only knows what's on the land, he knows what's under the sea. He knows what's in the sky. He knows what you're facing, and he knows what you don't know you're facing. He knows the visible and the invisible. Come on, he's telling somebody, throw your nets on the other side today. Now, I know that these guys probably didn't even have the right intention in having this fishing trip because they were professional fishermen and Peter was discouraged. And Peter said, I go a fishing. It was almost like they were going back to their past. But even in the midst of that, Jesus interrupted their fishing trip. You thought, I just don't feel like I can serve God. I've made too many mistakes. And you know what? God just comes right up in the middle of your life and interrupts you right in the middle of your party, right in the middle of your pity party. Come on, Peter, I know you denied me three times. I was there, but I still love you. I love you enough to interrupt your disappointing fishing trip. And the Bible said when they pulled them up on the shore. Now, these guys were professional fishermen. They made their living from fish. There were so many fish. <laughs> One gospel, I'm so glad they did. One gospel says how many fish they caught. 153. 153 fish they caught. Somebody stood there and counted them. One, two. 153 fish. I always thought it was just a lot of fish. But we were in Israel. Our guide said to us, you know, every number has a corresponding letter in the Hebrew language. No, we didn't know that, but thanks for telling us. He said, you know what 153 means? And we were like, what? He said, 153 means I am God. He doesn't do anything by accident. Even the number of fish that they caught 
Was Jesus telling them, there wasn't one day that you traveled with me that was wasted. There wasn't one place that we went where we prayed for the multitude and fed them that was wasted. There wasn't one moment. Your hope in Jesus Christ is not a wasted trip. I've come to tell somebody today, there's not been one prayer meeting that you've had that's wasted. There's not been one service that you've gone to that was a wasted trip. There wasn't never one time you obeyed the word of God that it was wasted. Everything you've done, it's going to pay back great dividends. You can stand to your feet. I'm coming to a close, but here's what the Lord wants us to know. We all know we have, we have heaven to look forward to. We all know if we serve the Lord that we have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Let me tell you something I feel in the Holy Ghost today. I feel like the Lord is also wanting to communicate this to us. He also wants to bless you right now in this life. He can open up the windows of heaven. He can fill your nets. He can fill your cup so that it overrunneth. Yes, we're going to see him in Galilee. Yes, one day we're going to see him in heaven. What about right now? Because I say to you that every time God's touched you in the midnight hour when your child was sick and you didn't know what to do and the fever kept climbing. So you gathered your small family together and you prayed. The fever started to come down. I'm going to tell you one more time, God has appeared to his believers and reminded you that his love is not exhausted. He still loves you. He's still reaching for you. You were supposed to be in a car accident. You don't know how it happened. You heard a screech of tires. You looked and somehow the car just went around you. The missionary down in Haiti told us they were in a bad part of Haiti and he said there were four people with guns all around them and they opened up fire on their vehicle. They had people in their car that were not even believers and they said, we could hear the bullets ripping through the metal of the car. And he said, we just drove out of there as quick as we could. We thought maybe there were a hundred bullets. But he said, when we got back to the campground, we got out and looked. And he said, we couldn't even find a scratch. We couldn't find a dent. There was no evidence of even a bullet penetrating. You don't even realize it. God has protected you. His love has interrupted your life. So many times invisible even to you and I. There's times when we're in service and our service is interrupted. The message in tongues and interpretation. There's times when you're at home and you're just thinking about the Lord and you can feel His presence come into your room. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the God that we serve. His love just keeps interrupting our life. So the question for all of us today, just like for Mary Magdalene, when he interrupted their journey, what are we going to do? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary stopped and worshipped him. Yes, you can go on about your day. But I think it'd be great today for you to have the same response that Mary Magdalene had. 
I think I'm going to just pause for a moment and worship God. Would you lift your hands and your voices right now all over this building? Lord, I recognize many times you've interrupted my life. I thought I had it all together, Lord. I thought I knew what I was doing. But your love kept reaching. Your love kept reaching. I can't deny, God, that you've been there time and time again. Regardless of what I did, I, I found that you still loved me. You still care about me. And I feel your presence right now, Lord. You feel the Lord calling you. Why don't you step out from where you're standing right now? and Why don't you just come down and stand at this altar? And as you come down, I wonder if you'd come to the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for every time you've been in my life. But right now, I feel like you're calling me to a place of consecration. You're calling me back to a place of repentance. You're calling me back to a place of worship. And so, Lord, here I come. I'm not going to wait till I get all my ducks in a row. I'm not going to wait till I got all my life together. I'm not going to wait till everything is all straightened out. I've come to tell you that God wants to do it right now. He wants to interrupt your life right where you are this very minute. You say, but I've got too many things I've got to figure out. Why don't you turn it all over to God today? Come on, He can heal your marriage. Come on, He can heal your body. Come on, God wants to bring joy. You say, I don't believe it can happen if you just trust God. God will work a miracle in your life today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.